no kidding. And then she ended up riding in on her, on her broom. And I said, hey, get that floor swept at the same time. Um, no. Ah, much better. Now, get ready for an uncivilized discussion about faith. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Barbarian, Barbarian Prophets. Welcome back, my Barbarian Nation. It is so good to have you on the air again today. I've had to hit a few things here lately because I'm experimenting with equipment, etc. So that's why you've been getting odd podcasts just show up randomly. And when people show up in the studio, we go ahead and do that. So happens to be one of those days that I have some weird, strange people coming into the into here you know i want to tell you just just this one little story here the, the other day as i i came home and there was three brooms laying out against the house and i i thought some of my wife's relatives had showed up and apparently that's the wrong thing to oh my gosh now she is being rude in the in the you guys quit laughing no, they're, they're coming next weekend <laughs> they're coming next weekend hey that's not you know one time we're driving down the road no we won't even tell that story so hey i have got a couple of, uh i got my co-pilot christy flying with me today at least say hi you my you meanie hi i'm not a meanie you can be a meanie on more than one occasion so you don't have you're doing good there kid so thanks for co-piloting with me today. And I have a young married couple here today. And your names are? My name is Terry Sossaman. And Mark Hildebrand. <coughs> and where do you guys come to us from? Well, originally from Alaska. But you, you like to pull that Alaska card every chance you get. I Were do. you born up there or what? I was born and raised. I spent my first 32 years in Alaska. And I've been in Casper, uh, Wyoming for the last 11 now, 10 so you decided you weren't content with just cold you needed some wind or what no that was all god trust me it was not my choice to move here <laughs> the wind or the moving <laughs> it was both you were just coming to meet mark you didn't know it yeah i had no clue especially since i was married at the time <laughs> well that's a whole different story for another that's broadcast of when we get together and talk about living in eternal sin. So let's try to do something else a little bit nicer. So, Mark, what's your story? Where'd you come from? Well, I was born in Laramie, Wyoming. So I've been pretty much in Wyoming my whole life, um, other than just a small stint in Shatter, Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, what were you doing down in Nebraska? Well, my ex-wife was getting her teaching degree. And uh, then uh, we ended up back in Casper. And uh, about two years ago, I met Terry. Nice, but you did. You had an ex-wife at that point, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure that we're all clear here, yeah. so you're you're clear with the. Well, uh, I'd like to clear it up that yes, two years ago we met, but you stalked me two years ago on <laughs> Facebook, and and you let him chase you right up until you decided he was catching you, right? Yes, apparently so. I didn't even know it. Yeah, yeah, I see how all this goes. All right, so hey, the quick question tonight is we we were sitting around, we were having a discussion, and one of the things that we found out was, uh, well, we started talking about things that we've dealt with here in Natrona County, and uh, dealing with witches, yeah, that's what this, this show is. I think I'm even going to title this, you son of a witch, you know, so uh, here's the reality, we... Uh, 
Uh, Casper, Wyoming, Natrona County, actually is the only place that I am aware of in the United States that has a uh, park dedicated to witchcraft. Mm. And it's called Crimson Dawn, and we've talked Mm -hmm. about this before on different shows, or maybe I was on somebody else's show at that point. But, you know, one of the things is that we have seen an uptick of those that follow after the way of Wiccan, as well as those that claim to be Druid as well as those that claim to be a Satru. And, you know, when people are claiming to be things is one thing, but when you actually see people function and flow in that, it's always very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's uh, let Mark's pulled up a little bit of information for us. And so, Mark, what, what kind of info do you have on the original, what were we talking about, the original Salem trials yeah. it was just something i had heard kind of through through friends that um that, that the reason that people were accused of being witches in uh, salem was due to a um a hallucinogen and i just looked it up on my phone um university of houston it was in 1976 that they kind of offered the first evidence that the salem witch trials followed an outbreak of rye ergot and what ergot, what wait a minute what what is rye ergot Ergot is a fungus. Is that, what do you, what ergot? <laughs> it says here it's a fungus blight that forms hallucinogenic drugs in bread. Its victims can appear bewitched when they're actually stoned. Okay, so I'm, I'm just going to ask this question. Can you buy this bread? <laughs> is it available to us? Not I mean, at Walmart. It's not, Walmart ain't, so, you know, Walmart would do good if it sold it. I'm just saying, <laughs> kicking that out there. Walmart, if you're listening, I'll take money for that advertisement for you. Maybe well, this that's other, what the inventor of Wonder Bread was doing. Yeah, this I other wonder. link says that um, ergot fungus contains a number of highly poisonous and psychodo- psycho- psychoactive alkaloids, including lysergic acid, or LSD, which was synthesized from ergot <gasps> fungus in 1938 by the chemist were witches. Albert Hoffman. So <laughs> it looks like, yeah, so the equivalent of of LSD, a small, a small, uh, dose of it is in this bread. And, you know, if they lived on, you know, all that bread every day, it, if it had a fungus in it, they were, they were going a little nutty. And so was it the witches that were having the visions or was it yeah. the other like parishioners? And did well, they ever use the term? There is, seems to be a fungus among us. I know. Thank you. <laughs> Somebody said it. I I couldn't let it go. I couldn't let it go, man. It said its victims can appear bewitched. So it sounds to me like it was the people who had eaten the bread Mm -hmm. were acting weird. But I had kind of. How did they know bewitched? I mean, were they twinkling their nose? (laughs) I'm just saying, did they have a little glean in their eye? Were they all married to a guy named Dick? I mean, I'm asking some questions because I'm deeply concerned. Was Mrs. Kravitz the one baking the bread? (laughs) What's up with that chick, man? <laughs> but wouldn't the whole family react the same way? <clears throat> yeah, that's a good question. You know, so maybe, you would think were that most the kids of these young affected. women? <clears throat> well, yeah, a lot of the women were accused, and I would assume that um, they were acting weird, and the religious leaders of the day didn't know how to process that. And but the way I had been originally told it is that. This causes hallucinations, and so I was assuming that it was the accusers that saw something or thought they saw something and then accused 
someone else in the room mm-hmm. of, of some kind of witchcraft because they saw something not knowing it was all in their head and results of their. Well, and I've watched documentaries before and it, all it took was an accusation because they were so paranoid. Oh, we have that in today's society. That's very true. With all kinds of things that aren't witchcraft, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but related to canceling you out as a, Mm -hmm. as everything and, and just, uh, really making a point of, uh, all it, all it takes somebody to make it, it's not the problem. It's the accusation of the problem. Right. <clears throat> and so even back then that would be a case. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, so what did, did they end up drowning them? What did they end up doing with the witches? Fill me in. Well, well I'm not totally up on the history on that, but I believe, um, there were 20 people that were, um, actually killed by mm-hmm. these courts, these trials, about 200 were accused. And then, Many, many years later, of course, the the courts basically said that everything that was done was in error and that they didn't even have the legal right to accuse people of, of that. Mm-hmm. But I think some places had laws on the books that you couldn't be a witch well, uh, or do yeah. witchcraft. Anybody coming over from England, mm-hmm. you know, because they did that a lot up in uh, – uh, Scotland and Ireland would accuse people of witchcraft. In fact, some of the early Christians were um, accused of um, barbarism as well as uh, it means cutting on a person, mm-hmm. not not cutting their okay, hair. Not their hair, but. <clears throat> and the other thing is, well, that's, that's what a barber did. Mm-hmm. Sweeney Todd? Yeah, Sweeney Todd. <laughs> and uh, the other thing that uh, they would accuse them of, of, uh, of being doing magic mm-hmm. by stuff they were stealing from the church. Mm. So what would happen is they would have somebody home sick. And when they would go to church and take communion, they would cheek it. Oh. And when they would go back, they would take it out. And uh, then they would go home and they would try to reperform mm-hmm. the um, what they had heard in Latin, which was, the Christ's body, Hoka, Hoka Pendai, I think. I don't know. I'd have to you look it get up. that one right. <laughs> no, well, what ended up happening is that where the term hocus pocus came from. Oh, really? Oh. Because they didn't know how to say it. Okay. So they say, I, I believe he says hocus pocus. Uh-huh. And so that became a witchcraft thing. Oh, wow. Because mm-hmm. they, they were like, this will heal you. It's the body of Christ. Right. And they ended up, uh, when people would hear that, well, they weren't repeating the sacrament words. They were repeating magic. So that's where the term hocus pocus came from. I do know that's true. I wonder if the relation then of um, healers being related to witchcraft, then I wonder if that's how that came came into being as well. It it very well could be. You had a lot of people that were uh, very paranoid about anything that was, well, yeah, the the church was running rampant Mm -hmm. and all kinds of wackiness. And, uh, you know, it just just got way out of control. So uh, you ever deal with a witch? Yes. Okay. We're not calling people out by name. I know that. And don't start pointing fingers. This is not a trial. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Christy, how about you? You ever deal with a witch? Yeah. A few, I think. (laughs) Well, sometimes they're a little harder to uh, identify right off the bat. Sometimes you brush by them in in an aisle somewhere, but 
some of them you get to know and you get to know their history and their beliefs on things and why they believe that way. And so, uh, yeah, I think there's a realm of, of degrees of, of some that are really into it and really know it and practice it. And then there's some that just kind of claim it, like you were saying, that they just claim to be that way. But Oh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of fakers. Well, and then there's also the subcategory, I think, within um, Scripture that talks about um, that lying, right, is akin to witchcraft. Yeah, and so is gossip. Right, gossip. That's the one, that's the one I was I was looking for. And so there's a whole subcategory of well, what know. could be considered witchcraft within the church, and we know that there are people who are operating in the church within the confines of witchcraft. So I think there's it's different when you've got someone who is proclaiming it as a religion and a lifestyle choice, right. and they're living it loud and proud, versus other people who who are hiding because they're trying to sabotage the church and they're in there doing spells. Cause we've talked about that before. Oh yeah. Curses and all so, of that. So uh, how about, how about you, Mark? I've never like felt like I've ever met anyone that was actually a witch, but I've known a few, you know, younger 20 somethings that, that say they're Wiccan. Mm-hmm. And I think that to that extent, it's, you know, just kind of a spinoff of some of the, the games and the in the yeah. Harry Potter series and things like that, where right. they grew up being shown that this world of witches and warlocks that are are good, and then of course there are evil in it, and that you know right. both sides are battling out. And I see the you know Harry Potter is a fictional thing, and I thought it was funny when someone explained that Harry Potter is Star Wars just with. Wands instead of lightsabers. <laughs> that, that's true. Pretty much the same. <laughs> they're, they're exactly the same thing. You know, <laughs> there are no new stories. That's what I keep discovering. I'm like, what the heck? There's no new story. When I watch The Mandalorian and I hear, I'm like, I said, Christy, I'm pretty sure that's the good, bad, and the ugly. <laughs> I'm almost one, one million percent that that's a spaghetti Western. <laughs> yep. I mean, even when they hop on their two uh, speeder bikes, we're so off track right now. I hope <laughs> listeners, uh, just bear with us. We'll get there. They're like, no, we want to hear about the witches. And we're like, no, no, man. When they jump on their two speeder bikes, if you'll notice one kind of has ape hangers and the other one doesn't, it's because it's easy rider. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's whacked out stuff right there. You, <laughs> so you guys will have to come back for a Thursday show. We talk about stupid stuff. Yeah, <laughs> we talk about all kinds of whack things we watch every day. So let's yeah, but we back. have to eat the bread first. Yes, eat the bread. Get the well, bread as long first. as you put peanut butter on there, I'm good, man. Okay, so now let's let's jump into this a little bit. We'll, we'll start over there with you and uh, Terry. So. Fill us in on dealing with a witch. Uh, <clears throat> just just pick one. I mean, and I, I've got my own story. I deal with plenty of witches. Yeah, this was this was actually a really mild conversation that I had over Facebook um, way back in the day. Was it was it Facebook? Yeah, I think it was. Anyway, she was uh, some uh, some gal had commented on a post of one of my friends and um, she was Wiccan and based on some of the things that she was saying, I just went and, you know, looked at her profile and was checking her out. And 
Um, she actually ended up messaging me because I was refuting some of the things that she was trying to say because she was, you know, talking about the the earth and the four, um, what do they call them? The four elements. So we were just talking about that. And I think that's a band, earth, wind, and fire yeah. <laughs> and water. But in the scope of that conversation, I was amazed at how much she was committed to the belief that she was doing good and was putting good out into the world. And um, that really uh, traditional Christian beliefs against uh, witchcraft was very condemning and judgmental and that I was the one who was in the wrong for, you know, judging her or assuming, you know, some such. And she was very polite. You know, I mean, she she was a nice person to interact with. And I'm sure that if I met her on the street, she would be nice to interact with. But it's sad to me how blinded she was and how twisted her view of worshiping elements of creation is instead of worshiping the actual creator. Right. So, um, and, and you know, one of the things, all you can do with them is just point them in the right direction, but they're going to do what they're going to do, right? Right, they are, yeah. And so, uh, did you have any any cross-threading with her at all? Just That was just a, a fairly soft and easy. No, yeah, and, it, was, it was soft and easy. It was not in person. Um, you know, I, I obviously didn't, because it wasn't in person, I mean, and I didn't know her personally, so I didn't have, like, a bridge of accountability or trust with her in you know, any way, shape or form. So you can't really speak into someone's life unless they're asking you to speak into their life. And one of the things that I found on almost any subject, when, when you come into a worldly mindset is that you can talk till you're blue in the face about scripture, but unless that person actually agrees with you that scripture is the inspired written word of God and is our manual, you're going to just be talking until you're blue in the face. And so you have to find that common ground. So anyways, the, it was a, it was a mild interaction with her and it opened up my eyes to the knowledge that most people who practice witchcraft think that they're doing a good thing. Right. They, uh, and they, they don't necessarily see Christianity as the enemy. They just see right. us as uh, deluded. Yeah. So Christy, what about you dealing with uh, witches over time? Mm, well, one of, one of the times was when um, you volunteered or you, did a favor for somebody and we ended up doing a funeral in a bar <laughs> with with well, a bunch well so let me start off this story because i gotta give it yeah you <laughs> and then you yeah this isn't even fair so here here's the reality all right i'll let christy tell you the the tail end of the story but uh what had happened is uh my brother had come to me and his girlfriend's son had a girlfriend. Okay. Are we getting there? Mm -hmm. It's like I'm yeah. my own grandpa. Okay. okay. So at the end of the deal, her mom had died. And uh, what Bobby said, hey, will you do the funeral? I said, sure, I'll do the funeral for you. So the girl and I meet and we're talking. She goes, yeah, 
I said, well, uh, what did your mom attend church? Yeah. Yeah. She was pretty steady and going, going with her group and stuff. And I said, well, what was, uh, uh, what, so, uh, you know, do you remember what kind of church she went to? And, you know, maybe we need to talk to that pastor, et cetera. And she goes, no, no, I can't remember. And I said, well, uh, you know, was, uh, was she a Methodist? And she goes, no, no, that don't sound right. I said, was she a Lutheran? She goes, no, no. I said, well, was she a Pentecostal? She goes, no, no, it started with a W. And I said, was your mother Wiccan? <laughs> and she goes, yeah, that's oh, it. Yeah. That's Christian, right? I said, oh my. <laughs> I said, no, no, that's not Christian. <laughs> so uh, then I immediately, I said, all right, well, I'll get back to you tomorrow. So I go home and pray, and the Lord says, nope, you're going to do this. And I'm like, right on, man, walking into a coven of uh, witches. Yeah. So, yeah. And it was a full-blown coven. It was a full-blown coven. Wow. And when we showed up there, I mean, it was full on, and I preached a gospel message. But, you know, I talked about her. I talked about things, etc. But at the end of it, there is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much you want to hug the tree, it's just going to give you a splinter. Mm-hmm. Christy, hit it. I don't remember the end of that, except running away. No. <laughs> well, great. Well, thanks for bringing up things I've done. Now, what about you dealing with witches? Hey, I had to be there, too. Just because I ain't doing I the will, funeral don't mean I ain't praying. I will say that you're right in the middle of it. They were not happy. They were not happy people. They, oh. were, they were very, very angry with the young lady, which, who cares? Moving on. So, <laughs> Well, it would be nice to know if uh, you know that ending of your preaching at, at a funeral may have stuck in yeah. one or two and that's their, just it. of their minds. Planted and, a seed. And then 10, 15 years later, you know, they may have. Yeah, you never know. Been, and been you know, a very down point. And that is, that's the exact situation. I don't ever know uh, the outcome. I just do what I'm told to do. Mm-hmm. And, but the other thing is with that is you, you don't do what you have not been told to do. Because mm-hmm. stepping in and taking care of, uh, there's people all the time that step up and think they need to rescue a witch. And if Jesus hasn't told you to do that, you need to keep your mouth shut and stay out of it. Mm-hmm. That ain't your area. Yep. So, Mark, you got anything for me? Anything at all? You're looking around the room. <laughs> no, not, not anything else. I mean, like I said, just people that it, that say they're Wiccan, but I don't know how serious they are in something like that. Right. Well, one day I'm leaving the church, and as I'm pulling across, I see this lady walking from behind the church, mm. and she comes over and checks one of my sheds at the church and I'm like what the heck so I pulled across the street and I parked there and I'm watching and when she went and started checking the doors of the church then I'm going to get involved so I pull up turns out I visit with the lady for a little while she ends up telling me she is druid and I said okay so I finally uh, revealed to her that I am the pastor and she uh she ends up sticking around for a few more moments and i paid attention but i didn't pay that close of attention that she went over and put her hand under a bush okay that we have here mm-hmm. in front of the church and uh she walks off so i pull around the block and i i watch where she's going pull back around and decide to go 
check things. And when I go and look, she has built some stuff up behind the church. And I'm like, how long has she been out there, man? So I waited till the next day till the secretary was with me so she could take pictures. And then there was the lady had built giant pentagrams in the back mm-hmm. of the church and everything out of stones. And these were not stones we had in the back of the church. I don't know where they came from. She had to have carried them there up oh. the hill. I thought somebody had said that they had seen her on the side of the hill, like down by where the sidewalk was. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite a little distance to carry all them up there because I think there was over a 100 stones she had carried up. And, of course, then our team went in Mm -hmm. a little bit later. You, Terry, was a part of that, Christy and uh, the Smiths and several other people. And we went in there, and we took down all their pentagrams and put it into the form of a cross. So when she came back, she would see that all of her pentagram is now a giant cross. And we anointed it with oil and went about our business. Mm-hmm. And um, But, you know, uh, one of the things that happened that night is Carissa, uh, she is walking around the building, and she goes over to that bush. And the minute she got there, I'm like, I remember that lady putting her hand under and she reached under there and pulled out a specific type of stone. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was going to be her little hidden dig on the church. Right. And yeah. ever since then, we have been walking around and praying over the church, and we have went through and anointed the place from one end to the other, et cetera. But, yeah, witches do come at the church all the time. And it was a holiday for them, wasn't it? Yeah, it was actually a time of calling down the moon is what mm-hmm. that's called. And it was uh, it was at August, and they had, a, they had a huge thing going. Actually, some of the stacks of stones she had pointed right to where they were having that and at our church symbol on the side. Right. And what, didn't you say that it lined up pretty directly with Crimson Dawn? Yeah, well, it did. Yeah. It was like a goal post. Mm-hmm. So we lined a cross up with it. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So, Jesus I, wins. That's how we roll. <laughs> so, yeah, Jesus wins. So, Mark, even in dealing with all the people that you deal with, you're in a – tell us what you do for a living. I'm a broadcast engineer, so – Transmitters to toilets, I like to say. Okay. Anything that's broken in the building. So what happened? You you never, ever dealt with any of these type of people over there? Have you ever noticed, like, things hanging off? I mean, anymore, people are pretty blatant with wearing pentagrams on them. They're pretty blatant. Since mm-hmm. COVID, I will say this, is that during COVID, when churches shut down, I don't think they realize this, but uh, Christianity literally has a struggle. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether people want to recognize that or not, that's the truth. Right. But what ends up happening is that it sure seems like the occult has gained strength yes. since that time. So I would, I would agree. Um, well, the one gal that, that claimed to be Wiccan that worked to where I work, I discussed with, with her a little bit. And and turns out she you know kind of was raised in the church and she still said she believes in Jesus and, and stuff, but just in asking questions, I think she's just kind of all over the place. She just has a little of this, a little of that. And she's she kind of into, like, plays, plays games like magic, the gathering with friends and, and probably sees it as harmless. But that's kind of the thing is some of those games kind of pull you into that, that occult area and gateway. It's a gateway to it, even though it may be, I mean, even, I mean, they made it kind of a joke, the, the dungeons and dragons on stranger things. And I made it out as a joke that the parents were all freaking out because I kind of remember in the 80s when my my older brother would be playing Dungeons and Dragons with his friends that there were those claims being kind of put out there that this is a dangerous game and it 
can lead into the occult. But do you think it did? I think for some people who got into it really severely, yeah. Yeah, it I, didn't affect my brother, who was you know a born again believer. So I don't think I don't think those things can grab hold of people who are already firmly placed. Well, and a, and a person that isn't seeking something more. Yeah, you know when you when you have found Christ, you have a tendency that you know what you're seeking, so you continue to seek after Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Christy, you've been around several women that actually claim to be witches. Or mm-hmm. call themselves witches, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And uh, generally pretty nice people. Yeah. They're somebody I can sit and visit with. and You can visit with anybody, Christy. <laughs> so then my next question is, is uh, at the end of the day, uh, how do you deal with them? I treat them with kindness. I treat them the Have way- they ever said anything about your faith? No, they have never challenged me on my faith. Okay. I think I make it pretty clear in visiting where I'm at um, and (laughs) that I love Jesus, that I believe in the gospel message and what he's done for me. And I I don't think I am one that really hides that. Um, Then I don't challenge them on theirs either. And I guess I don't make it an argument. I... Try to see the good in everybody. And I believe that Jesus made us all. And um, like you said, there's never one person that you look into the eyes that Jesus doesn't love. And I feel like I should try to do that as much as possible. If I feel like there is a threat or if they're being disrespectful, to that part of my life, then I would, I don't have a problem saying something about it. Right. Well, um, then the other question is, uh, when you have, um, let's try to dial that back a little bit here. So the other thing that we've got questions about is when you, uh, what if, would you leave your grandchildren with them? No. (laughs) I just thought I'd check. Silly, I don't leave my grandchildren with hardly anybody ever. That's true, and that's that's a wise thing. So, you know, the other thing is with um, uh, dealing with uh, just dealing with people that have come through that. Terry, you do some other ministry at your church where you uh, do some deliverance ministry, right? Sozo, uh-huh. uh, explain that a little bit to us, real quick. Um, well, sozo is the Greek word for saved, healed, and delivered. And uh, it's it's a type of prayer ministry. It's you know it's a terminology that it that is known um, here in our local community. <clears throat> Before I came to Casper, I knew it as theophostic prayer, and uh, it just gets you into a place where you're having an encounter with Jesus, with Holy Spirit, with Father God, and. Um, it, he, you go back to those times in your lives, those traumatic moments where you've had some wounding and you're typically, um, believing some sort of lie that the enemy has set you up for. And, uh, the point of that is for Jesus to show you the truth of what really happened in that moment, the truth of who you are to him, um, and who he was to you, where he was in that moment. <clears throat> and so, um, 
it's really for me it's more than i'm a facilitator and the work is actually done between the person and holy spirit and i just kind of help guide them along and um something that i've been dealing with or have partaken of for almost my entire time with christ because i've been walking with him since 2000 so yeah it's one of it's that's my passion is to help women heal because I've, I've gone through a lot of healing. What about you, Mark? Well, I mainly, uh, since I work in broadcasting, I mainly work on the, the tech side for the church. And so they mainly run in the sound system and stuff, but I have experienced some pretty amazing, um, encounter when, um, actually the first time I met, met you was at the encounter that, uh, that's totally secret, dude. Don't tell everybody. <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead. But yeah. So it was a it was an amazing experience. Um, a bunch of men out at a at a ranch, um, getting to you know know each other closer, but then also to just have an amazing time with the Lord. And it was something I needed heavily at that time in my life. Um, kind of a renewal. Um, I'm one of the. I'm not a. I'm not a preacher's kid. I'm a PK, but. I might as well have been because my parents were heavily involved in the church. So it was a, one of those upbringings where I was at church every Sunday and made to go. And you can easily learn all the the ways everyone expects you to behave, but be kind of superficial on the actual spiritual side of it. And so I feel like I used to be jealous. I remember back in college, I'd be jealous of those who, you know, lived in the world up to a certain point, And then, you know, their life was in in the ruins and then they finally met Jesus and it was this like radical conversion. And I was, I was actually jealous of that. And, um, I found that I had my own. It was just a little different. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, uh, people tell me that all the time, man, I, it, the only way I'd come to know Jesus, if I did it like you, and I'm going to tell you, it, I drank from my cup. You got to drink from yours. Mm-hmm. And the quick reality is all the time with, uh, People uh, want these huge, dramatic things. What they don't realize, it is huge and dramatic that Christ is rescuing you from uh, eternal damnation, for starters. But he's also he's rescuing you from uh, self-doubt and shame. And that stuff takes a little while to process. <clears throat> you know, and that's, that's one of the things that I, I find a... a a bit of a struggle in certain denominations, etc., where uh, they don't want to process that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't. They don't want to. Now, uh, both you guys go to what type of church? Because yeah. you go to church together, of course, because you're yeah. married. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're non-denominational, correct? But I would say that we have a charismatic flair. Okay, <laughs> and so what does that end up looking like? Um, it looks like, um, worship that, uh, tries to leave room for Holy Spirit to come in and work and, um, open worship. So, uh, a lot, a lot of churches, uh, that I've been to in my past will have just, you know, your standard four minute song and it's the song as you know it on the radio, a worship song, but they don't leave a time of just, open music and you know somebody just kind of playing on the keys and and maybe trying to sing prophetically uh our our songs tend to be a little bit longer because of that oh open i'm gonna i'm gonna i gotta throw in a couple of things Uh uh-huh explain because bear in mind 
Most of the right. people you're speaking to, they do not know what you're talking about. Number one, we have to understand that whole different language situation. Yeah. So open worship would be when uh, you're taking a time in the song or maybe even at the end of the song when you've gone through, you know, your verse, chorus, verse, chorus, chorus, you know, bridge, verse, chorus, and you're done, right? That's your, you know, your standard layout for your songs that you typically hear on the radio. Um, and open worship gives room for Holy Spirit to move through the instruments and the voices of the musicians as they are feeling led by Holy Spirit to worship with uh, perhaps um, different words within the same melody of the song, um, with perhaps um, just, uh, you know, singing certain notes, um, perhaps a solo on on the piano and just being led uh, as the music is flowing and being led by Holy Spirit. And so that open worship time is trying to make room for Holy Spirit to move in people's hearts and to not only have that be happening within the worship team of the, of themselves, but also within the congregation so that people can um, can meet God in that moment and have, have that special face-to-face moment. Mark, now you back on the music end of things, you're all handling the sound. So how do you go about recognizing when they are shifting gears? I mean, what do you, how do you, how do you manage that? Well, I mean, I focus on keeping the mix because uh, sometimes one of the worship team leaders will, between a song, they'll start speaking. And when they're doing that, it's not, they're not as loud as when they're, when they're singing. And so I have to bring up their, their level to, to make sure that they're still heard and um, it's just kind of adjusting the the mix based on who's leading which song. Because sometimes it'll be the one of the males will be leading the initial part of the song, and then the females are on kind of a harmony or backup. And then other songs, the the females the lead. And so it's just kind of during the rehearsal, knowing who's on which song, being able to bring that up. The thing for me with our church being kind of charismatic, um, I grew up in a Baptist church. Um, that was going to be my question. What kind of church did you grow up in? So I was used to, you know, pretty standardized, you know, type of, you know, the music was usually just a key, you know, maybe a piano and organ, things like that. And not a whole lot of, um, I mean, people were standing, but even, even raising your hands was not kind of a thing in, um, in there. So going to churches that, have you know people with flags expressing their their worship differently like you know marching around with the american flag what are you talking about there mark (laughs) no these are usually just brightly colored um and they're they're kind of special for this purpose but they're kind of like they've got like a stick on one end and they're usually two of them and they can swish them around and and i remember the first time seeing that and i was a little weirded out and i'm like why am I weirded out by this? Am I weirded out because it's weird or am I weirded out because I've never experienced that form of worship? And I realized pretty quickly is like, no, it's on me. It's not anything wrong with what they're doing. And I even think about, you know, where in, in the Bible that David danced before the Lord. Yeah. People do like to bring that one up when they're discussing that specific thing, just so you know. Yeah. 
But uh, there's also about a, I want to say about 186 times throughout the Old Testament that we'll find where he tells us to express express our worship. And and what they're getting at in that Hebrew sense is truly celebrating like that. Well, there's a verse in the Old Testament, I don't remember where it is, that references a clanging gong or a crashing cymbal. So there's, there's references to the music and, you know, we read the Psalms as a, as a, um, a poem, but most of the, most of them in the Bible, it references them as, um, you know, songs. Yeah. Their music. It is, uh, it's how they worshiped. It definitely is how they worshiped. And, you know, uh, when you get around people in there, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with hymns. Absolutely nothing wrong with hymns. The hymns are still very anointed, in my opinion. Well, they, yeah, once they're anointed, that ain't going away. <laughs> True story. <laughs> All right. So here's the other part of, though, with, uh, you know, people often with music, etc., and when they're talking about charismatic church, because that's what I come out of, and I'm in a liturgical church now. Uh, but a lot of people, you know, when the reason I wanted to make sure that we covered this is because what they get to t- uh, thinking about music is if it has too much energy in it, then there must be something wrong with it. <laughs> but, you know, the reality is this, is that there is as many modern day hymns written last week, just like there was 500 years ago or 80 years ago, you know, when they, when they first put out some of that stuff, it was cutting edge too. And, uh, so there is plenty of room for, for that style of music during worship. And so when you use the term worship, uh, we'll start with Christy. When you use the term worship, uh, what does the term worship mean to you? Hmm. I don't know. Cause I always put it back to, um, I think about being in church and listening to the music and and but I think there's more worship than that. There's there's ways to worship um even without music like with the flags or with painting. It's just a way to show your inner expression to God on your relationship and your love for him. Yeah, there's plenty of people tell you you're nuts just for everything you just said. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm same way. Uh, and no, the reason I say that is because there are people that think that charismatic end of things is uh, blasphemous and wrong, and um, you know they kind of they they forget a great deal of things uh, because they piety is a very strange thing. But we'll we'll tan- tackle that another show. <laughs> Uh, so Mark, what about you? What, what does worship look like to Mark? I feel like for me, um, when, when you're in worship time and the song is just connecting with, you know, you personally, and and I've, I've always been amazed how you can look around the room and there'd be people that have their hands in the air and they are just bawling their eyes out because this song is connecting with them you know, in, in their heart and their mind, right in that moment. And the person standing two feet from them, it just has their hands in their pockets and are kind of looking around and kind of bored. And I've always felt like that kind of goes to show that, you know, when we're in worship, you know, we have to open ourselves up to receive whatever the Lord has for us. And if we put our hands in our pockets and just kind of stand there, you know, we're not going to get anything. 
So I've got an unusual question for you. Ready? Sure. So when you go to worship, who is serving who? Are you serving the Lord or is the Lord serving you? You stole what I was going to talk about. (laughs) I'll be back over you in just a minute. I want to hear what Mark says. Me too. (laughs) I think it's a little of both. I think that, you know, we're, when we open ourselves up, we're letting Holy Spirit, um, show us where, where we have areas to work on. And I think there's also a, a certain level of, of peace we get from that, that close worship with him. Um, always reminds me of people who, who actually say they don't want to have anything to do with, um, you know, church and stuff because they don't want to go to heaven and be sitting on a cloud board. And they're, they're, they have a very narrow minded view of what heaven is going to be like. Yeah, what? Yeah, they got the wrong idea. What heaven? <laughs> that they about the afterlife. Yeah. Okay, so ecumenical. Okay, well, okay, so Terry, you're you're uh, you're in the batter's box. Let's do this thing. Okay, would you look up the actual definition of the word worship? Sure. Because for the listeners out there who may not know, we're using worship. I think as a umbrella term. And there's, it, it can be, yeah. And, you know, in a liturgical church, the entire service is worship, right? Every prayer, every song, right. song songs are singing, right? Okay, but uh, <laughs> actual worship is the entire service, and right. in all reality, we all know that every moment of our lives should be worship. Absolutely, and so th- that's kind of the point that I wanted to make because when what we're speaking about right now in terms of worship we're talking about the singing portion of of the sermon right or not the sermon but the service but you know worship is something it's a lifestyle and um it's like christy said there are many ways that you can express worship what's the what's the definition would you find well it says on here that as a noun worship is the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity so the worship of god is their example as a verb, it's, it's show reverence and adoration for right. honor with religious rites. And so to me, I view, I view worship as a verb because we're worshiping the Lord and we're, we're honoring him within the way that we live our lives as a lifestyle of worship. We're honoring him as a time of coming in and singing songs because music is such a powerful thing. Music is such a powerful thing and it speaks to people's hearts. It, it raises emotions. It, it raises the energy level in the room. And so that's one of the ways that a lot of modern non-denominational churches start their services with that worship, that singing portion, because that raises that energy level and kind of gets you to the place where you're tuned in and hopefully your spirit is connected with Holy Spirit. And yes, we're supposed to be doing that on our own at home within our lifestyles, but there's something to be said and uh, is made useful and contributes to the heavenly kingdom when we are worshiping corporately as a body because there's a difference there's hmm, let me think think about how i want to want to say this when when we're connected corporately 
I can envision and see everyone's spirits connected and connected with Holy Spirit. So it's, it's to me, there's a difference when you're just wor- worshiping individually, even within that corporate setting, versus getting to a level where the entire body is worshiping as one together. Oh, yeah, with, uh, without a doubt. And um, yeah, that, that's some hard stuff to describe. And, and we'll have to do a, uh, another show <laughs> okay, <laughs> where we uh, start tapping into what it is like to uh, hit one of those moments mm-hmm. where you are surrounded and you're in the moment and uh, where all of a sudden time doesn't really matter. And uh, anything that for you're in the presence of the Lord. And, uh, you know, not everybody has that. There's, uh, you know, when we talk about charismatic, uh, like say, there's a lot of people that have great struggles with that. Because mm-hmm. uh, there is some different views on how you relate with God. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> of course, your way is not wrong and their way is not mm-hmm. wrong. They are meeting God where he needs them to meet them. And uh, and where he chooses to meet them, you know. So uh, unfortunately, we live in a in a place. I don't even know how to go about this one. We have this tendency where we live where everybody thinks everybody ought to do exactly what I'm doing, or you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Very okay? true. And uh, you know, theology and uh, opinions are just like belly buttons. Everybody has their own. And you can't share them. We have a tendency to look at them. Well, we sure don't know. You know, yours is yours, mine's mine. But on the other end of this, you know, when it comes down to truly being in places where a worship explodes, uh, where Terry, where have you been? Where you've truly seen worship take off? Where people have completely surrendered into it? <sighs> Um, there have been a few times probably at some, uh, conferences and then also, um, a lot of my experience with that was at my previous church that I used to go to here in Casper. And I can speak for me personally, um, with what I've experienced when the Lord ministers to me during a moment of, you know, quote worship, because it's a time of ministry and he's so beautiful in meeting you exactly where you're at and what it is that you're needing from him. And my heart has been longing to go more towards, let me minister to you to Lord, because I want to worship you and, and tell you, how wonderful you are and I want the focus to be on you and not you having to to minister to me because I want to bring my offering to you that's what a lot of people do not realize is going on with the Mary and Martha moment mm-hmm. that one is sitting at his feet receiving mm-hmm. and the other one is working very hard to give and they always criticize her Mm-hmm. But the truth is, is that that's exactly what that looks like. Christy, how about you? What a place that you've been with extreme good, where worship has just taken off and just really blown your doors off? Well, a few places. Um, one of them is at our um, the old church where we were at in a little chapel where we used to just 
be able to do whatever it felt right to do to get that closeness. Um, and the other place, of course, is La Barge. I was just thinking the but, same thing. Which is kind of funny because that was one place I, we saw which also was in La Barge. We'll settle up with the witch story at La Barge at the end of this to make this a witch story. Still, we're all into the Jesus thing at the moment. So go on there. La Barge, Wyoming has a show in, or has, not a show. I have a show. Uh, La Barge has a, a conference in August, the mm-hmm. first or the second weekend of August. And uh, Tony Patera and Gwinnett Patera put that on, and there are some incredible speakers. And uh, I know that we're going to see see some of them this year. I think you and me are actually in Oklahoma for this one, or at least I am. So you may have to go with somebody else. I, I've got to be. We'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see what happens. Okay. So tell us, where's the other place? Um, well, those are the two main places, but I don't know. There's been times that it's. I thought you'd say the prison. Well, that is definitely one that I can go to and feel Mm. their worship is so unhindered because there, there is nobody in there that's going to judge them. They're not putting on performance for anybody. It's raw. It is so raw and it is so beautiful and it is amazing because you feel it in you, in you. You feel it or I should say, you know, the Holy Spirit feels you it feels it because it just wants to explode out of you. It's just it's just amazing to hear their voices and their just true honest worship. How about you, Mark? Where's been some of the places you've heard some of the absolute best worshiping music-wise? Um, kind of different places. I mean, one thing comes to mind is I would go to a, a, a church camp up on Casper Mountain called Wyoba, and it was affiliated with um, the Baptist church that I went to and grew up in. And some of the most amazing you know, worship times there was just, you know, group of kids around the campfire we'd have a bonfire every night and there'd just be a you know worship person on guitar and we would just be belting out praise praise songs and in it just the atmosphere of that you're standing around in a big group big bonfire going in the front of you and um, you're actually feeling the heat off of it even though you're standing 10 feet away but then to just be praising the lord there in that moment it was just always very powerful because seemed like when you were there you know all of the distractions of your regular daily life was kind of gone you were you were meeting new friends and kind of interacting with these uh these other kids and i i have a lot of good memories of that and um but at the same time i i also was involved in a in a youth group actually in the same church that we're in now it was previous under previous leadership and um we did a thing in denver every year called youthquake and I just remember it was a lot of fun because we got in this old school bus that the church owned and they drove us to Denver and it was all these other groups of kids from other um, churches in the same denomination. I think it was open Bible denomination. And it was a powerful, powerful um, group worship. And 
that was kind of the first time I'd experienced some of the charismatic things of people, you know, speaking in tongues and, and, and falling down in, in, you know, with the Holy spirit. And just at first it kind of was, you know, bewildering because I had been raised in a, you know, a little Baptist church. But again, it was one of those, like, it's only weird to me because I'm not used to it, Mm -hmm. but I, I saw the power in it. Um, I was a little discouraged in that group because there was a lot of pressure for people to take on gifts of the spirit. And and that's not how that works. (laughs) (laughs) And I just always felt like it was, it was possible that a lot of the people who said they had it were just faking it. They're trying to fit in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because even I felt that pressure, you know, the peer pressure of, Hey, you got to have this, you're not saved unless you speak in tongues. And you're like, no, nah, I'm not saved if Jesus doesn't save me. So, no. Yeah, and I'd always look at the scripture and and I'd kind of call him out on it. And it, and it was kind of one of the, the difficulties of that group. But I, I still feel like there was a lot of powerful um, friendships made and, and the worship was, was, was pretty amazing. Well, I think it opened up your eyes because you've told me that story before. And um, it made you understand that, again, there's different ways to worship and that it's not wrong and wrong or right. It's just different, you know, and that's, I mean, that can be said across cultures, you know, if I were to, to go over to, um, to worship perhaps uh, over in the Philippines, you know, their, their style and songs are, are going to be different than what I'm used to, but it's the spirit behind it that uh is what is pleasing to the lord and i i just want to recap real quick sorry there's there's one other time that i thought about that um was a very very powerful moment um it was so in my brief stint between uh wyoming and alaska i lived in missouri and i was in joplin missouri in 2011 when an ef4 uh tornado came through and and flattened out eight miles long of the city. We lost like 1,100 uh, buildings and houses, and I think 160 people died. It was devastating to the community, absolutely devastating. And uh, they had a concert that summer, and I think I think Mercy Me, and then I'm having... I'm having a brain moment. Um, the, um, the band that sings Praise You in This Storm... A casting crowns. Yes. No, casting. Was it casting? Uh, yeah. Casting crowns. And then a third one. Anyway, so we, but it was this big, you know, concert that was put on as, as a benefit to the community. And it was outdoors. Um, so most of us were sitting like in a field, you know, and so we, you know, brought our camp chairs and stuff like that. <clears throat> but because the community was still so, desperate for hope because things had just been decimated and it was taking a long time to, I mean, cause that's, you don't recover from something like that overnight. You know, they were still in the middle of cleaning everything up at that point. And there were still a lot of people who were homeless and, um, you know, living, uh, living at, uh, centers and it, it just was, there was a lot of desperation and a need for hope. And it was powerful to me that even, even in the midst of this tragedy, that people could still come forward and be united in their love for Christ and still worship him in the middle of this devastation. And I know that even though it was, 
it wasn't the style of worship that I'm used to musical worship that I'm used to now. It was, you know, it was more like a, a concert set up a traditional, you know, concert with your, with your regular length songs and everything. But there was lots of prayer. There was, um, lots of raising of hands, um, a lot of tears and, it was all for the glory of God. And that was beautiful to have that many people come together in such a desperate state of tragedy to still be able to worship the Lord and say, we love you and we praise you. That's awesome. The, uh, you know, the, the fact that that is what we have to do when things are devastated is we worship. Mm-hmm. We worship no matter what it looks like. If a baby dies, you worship. If people are being married, you worship. It is a matter of just squaring yourself with that. So I just want to say thank you both for being on our show today. Mm-hmm. You know, no coming and visiting a barbarian prophet is very, very appreciated. I'd like to have some more conversations with you guys, especially on understanding and comprehending the charismatic end of uh, the faith. Mm. Uh, now, Christy, you had uh, you had uh, brought up the witch in La Barge. <laughs> yes, I did. Well, she was when we were. I mean, I had seen her around town a little bit here and there, but when we were getting ready to leave, um, we were in a caravan, and there was three different vehicles. Yeah, we weren't in a caravan because we live in Wyoming with horses and buggies, (laughs) just so we're aware. Uh, Yeah, so we have three vehicles going down the road, and in front we have Brent and Dawn. Yes. You and me are second. Yes. Scott and Chris are third. Yes. And then um, I remember we saw her. I don't. I think Brent and Don saw her also, and but I don't think Scott, that last vehicle, did not. Yeah, Scott said that she wasn't there, and she was standing right on the side of the road, like yeah. you could not miss. Yeah. her. Yeah, she was speaking curses over all oh, everybody yes. that was leaving this conference. Yeah, she was waving her hand, and you could just tell that she was not good. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is people always uh, assume that, uh, you know, well, they're just saying curses, they're saying bad things. I mean, the demonic is a real thing, you know, and that's just like people have a tendency with people worship other gods. They go, well, there's only one God. Uh, I'm going to tell you, you start worshiping that coffee cup, a demon will get inside it to receive that worship. Mm -hmm. That is a reality. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, we have this tendency as a society, we'd probably better wake up to the truth of the demonic because uh, it is ever-present, and it is doing its absolute best. And we can see it functioning within the church body right now, trashing the church body from one end to another. We even talked about that on our last episode with Cody and them a little bit about what was going what is going on in Germany right now with the Catholic Church, what we see going on in England. And you know, everybody comes to the same conclusion that it deals with uh uh with gender identity and and uh, uh sexual preference. And the truth of the matter it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with obeying the laws and of Christ and uh about how we treat the resurrection and how we treat baptism how we treat 
communion, how we learn to treat each other. The Lord had two things that he told you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And then you turn around and Leviticus 19, uh, 18. It, number one thing it says there is if you do not have bitterness against each other, do not have anger. But at the tail end of that, we see that in the New Testament where it says, Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the thing is, is that even with all of these, and we're not speaking out against any of them, but I will say this. Every time you get an opportunity to introduce somebody to the gospel, it isn't about preaching. It's about starting to live a lifestyle Mm -hmm. of worship, Mm -hmm. a lifestyle where when they look at you, they get, why is that joy inside of you? Why is that happiness there? And the things that rob us of that is... Sometimes stress, but on the other end, the truth is what robs us of the joy of Christ is generally our disobedience towards him or our combat with him. Mm. Okay, so I am going to, you guys, Christy, last words? No last words. No last words? (laughs) All right. Mark, any last words? Uh, Nothing I can think of. All right. Terry? Anything? I think just to be aware that it's it's everywhere now and it's and it's becoming blatant and open. And the sad part is is that the world doesn't understand that they need a savior anymore. They don't realize that there's even a need for it. And I think witchcraft has contributed to that greatly. I would agree. And you know, I, I'll kind of button up with saying if you have opportunities to pray over people, whether they accept you or not, you does you, they you don't have to go up and lay hands on them. What you need to do is go ahead and pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can pray for all people. Pray for your children who are facing some of these things in school. Uh, pray for uh, people that are dealing. When you see somebody in a store, don't treat them odd because they have a giant pentagram on their shirt and stuff to that effect what you really need to do is be praying for that person to find christ because the only way they're going to truly know freedom and christ is because of him it ain't going to be because of you it's going to be because of him uh so until we talk again just know this jesus loves you And I love you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do to stop us. For questions or comments, please email us at info at thebarbarianprophet.com. The Barbarian Prophet is a registered trademark of Barbarian Media Group. Listening to this podcast may cause excitability, euphoria, and overall sense of happiness in the realization that you're not alone. Discontinue use if reddened skin or a rash develops. Side effects may include random hugging, crying out loud, smiling while alone, and happy crying combined with snot bubble development. Do not use during church service. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Are you actually still listening? Seriously, we have nothing more to say except for that one thing that was really, really, really important, but let's wait until the next show for that. One of those little important things I don't want you to forget is that the only way that you will ever find true joy is when you find Christ and let him function in your life. So God bless you, and we'll see you next time on The Barbarian Prophet.